In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and laid down in that place to sleep. The events that led up to this moment make it all the more poignant. But we need to know a little bit more about Jacob in order to understand. The Old Testament scriptures are fundamentally the history of one family, the family to whom God promised the Messiah, that is, the one who would put away the sins of all people, the one through whom all the families of the earth would be blessed. This single Old Testament family encompasses virtually all of the major figures of the scriptures, from Adam to Noah. Noah to Abraham, Abraham to Moses, and so on, up to the birth of Jesus in the first century. There is a reason why there are genealogies in the Bible, and ultimately that reason is to show us that God keeps his promises in Jesus. The family tree of the Old Testament is ultimately the cross the tree of death that gives life to the world. And this cross becomes the true family tree of all who believe. Not only was Jacob part of the larger Old Testament family, he was also directly in the line of Jesus. Jacob was the second born of a man named Isaac. Isaac was the miracle child of Abraham. And these three figures are so important that the God we all worship, the God who made all things, calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who were these men that God should call them to such importance? The information given to us in the scriptures reveals a rather surprising truth. They were nobodies. In fact, they were men that we would not choose. When God called Abraham, he was an idol maker living in a pagan land. It's true, of course, that through God's calling, Abraham grew to be an incredible man of faith and an example to all of us. And yet his sins and his missteps are evident to anyone who opens the scriptures. Abraham had, shall we say, a kind of messed up marital situation and rather strained relationship with his firstborn son, Ishmael. Abraham's second son, Isaac, was the firstborn of his wife, Sarah, who was not only barren but also past the age of giving birth. Isaac also grew to be an incredible man of faith and an example to all of us. And yet his flaws are made known as well, and particularly so in the events that led up to Jacob leaving home in fear for his life. Indeed, there was a rather profound division in Isaac's family. Isaac 
and his wife, Rebecca, had miraculous twins, since Rebecca was also barren. Isaac favored the firstborn, Esau, and Rebekah favored the secondborn, Jacob. What could go wrong? The two twins were at odd, odds with each other even in the womb. And years of family dysfunction finally culminated in profound deceit and murderous intent. Rebecca wanted Jacob, her favorite, the secondborn of Isaac, to receive the blessings that belonged to the firstborn, the inheritance and all that went along with it. Her husband Isaac had become blind in his old age, so she disguised Jacob in order to trick him into thinking that Jacob was Esau. Long story short, the deceit was successful, and the blessing of the firstborn went to the one it didn't belong, to Jacob. But there's more to this story than meets the eye. From the perspective of Isaac and Esau, this was pure deceit. But even when the twins were still in the womb, the Lord had said that the younger would rule the older. Thus, from the perspective of Rebekah and perhaps Jacob as well, they were acting in faithfulness to the Lord's word in the face of Isaac and Esau's unbelief. Life is messy. And when we open the scriptures, we do not find fairy tales of perfect saints and perfect families. Of course, there are some who wish to sensationalize the immorality of those in Scripture and exploit this to fit their peculiar theology, just as there are some who wish to sensationalize the morality of those in the Scripture and exploit that to fit their particular theology. But in truth, what we see are sinner saints who show great strength one moment and great weakness another. We see families that are filled with supernatural blessing and completely natural dysfunction. We also find a kind of ambiguity, moral and spiritual, that only God himself can rightly sort out and judge. There are no perfect saints or perfect families. The lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob show this quite clearly. And thus the title, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, takes on a new richness of meaning. This God is a God of sinners, a God who chooses to bless sinners not because of their initial worthiness, not because of their perfect faithfulness going forward, but rather because God is who He is. God is love. He is gracious and merciful. And God keeps His promises. Though we are so often faithless, He is is faithful. 
Though our own hearts rightly condemn us, he is greater than our hearts. A broken and contrite heart he does not despise. And when we grow weary of our own sinfulness, weary of the sinfulness of others, weary of the sinfulness and tangled mess that is this world, we recall how our Lord says, Come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. To himself and to his table he calls us to be refreshed by the bread of immortality, to be gladdened by the wine of salvation. For in the bread that is his body and the wine that is his blood, we find the forgiveness of all our sins and a foretaste of that joy which is yet to come when we and all things will be made new. When Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, he did so because after he had disguised himself and received the blessing of the firstborn, his brother Esau wanted to kill him. and His parents could not protect him. In the rearview mirror of Jacob's life, there was a pretty big mess. He had been, or rather, had he been faithful or had he been just plain deceitful? Had he been self-sacrificing or self-serving? Was he a fugitive or a martyr? Either way, and perhaps with all of this swirling in his heart, he came to exhaustion, put a stone under his head, and fell asleep. What God did next tells us the most important thing that we need to know. It is not nearly as important to know ourselves as it is to know Him. It is not nearly as important to sort out our own thoughts as it is to know His thoughts. As Jacob dreamed, God revealed to him a ladder between heaven and earth with angels ascending and descending upon it. What exactly did Jacob see? I'm not sure any of us besides Jacob can know. But many of the church fathers believe that Jacob saw the cross and Jesus. Why would they think this? Because in John's gospel, there is an event with many allusions to this story of Jacob. And in it, our Lord says, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Who else but Jesus himself is the bridge between heaven and earth? What ladder more profound than his cross, which forms a bridge between God and man? Among the things that God speaks to comfort Jacob, he speaks to Jacob directly of Christ. In your offspring, he says, 
all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. In other words, to summarize, when Jacob closed his eyes to sleep in the midst of all the turmoil of his life, God set before him Jesus, a dream of one who will bridge heaven and earth, of one who will bring heaven's help, of one in whom all the families of the earth will be blessed. And the Lord said to Jacob, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Does not God do for us something very similar today? Do we experience any turmoil here in this world? How about family divisions? What about moral ambiguities? Any outright sins? In the midst of all of these things, God sets before us Jesus. And God reminds us who he is. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of sinners. I am the God who sends my own divine Son into your flesh to bear your sin and be your Savior. And not by dream, but rather by art, this same God has set before our eyes the cross with the Son of Man upon it, extending from earth to heaven and from heaven to earth. The liturgy tells us that we are gathered here with angels and archangels, and we comprehend that we have been brought in to the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through faith. Their family tree is our family tree, and that tree is the cross. Into our weary bodies we take the bread of immortality and find strength not our own. Into our sin-parched lips the chalice pours, and we have a foretaste of that joy that is to come. This life is not a destination, but a journey, as Jacob himself would attest. So even as our Lord promised to keep Jacob wherever he went, so also he comforts us. Lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.